What's up and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. So we are back to uh, talk about a lot of new games that have come out that we've played. Oh man. A lot of like new releases too. Stuff that, uh, a few things that came out of Gen Con or around Gen Con. Um, main segment this week we're going to be talking about games whose components are primarily just a small deck of cards. Um, not a filler game show or show because there's plenty of those games that I wouldn't necessarily qualify as fillers, but uh, be an interesting segment when we get there. Uh, before we dive into the impressions, though, let's uh, just remind you that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tabletop for Two. Um, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcatcher of your choice. And if you're on Board Game Geek, uh, we do have a guild, which we would appreciate if you'd cruise on over, uh, subscribe to, and maybe drop us a line. Uh, it's guild number 2623. So that would be great if you could do that. We're trying to build up some membership in there as well. So, uh, we had some, we had some Kickstarter Christmas for the past, uh, the past couple weeks. We got a couple games, uh, that we've gotten in that were from Kickstarter, the biggest of which. My favorite that I've been waiting for forever. Yeah, was The Others, uh, Seven Sins. This is the new game from Cool Mini or Not, designed by Eric Lang. The box weighed 18 pounds. Well, the box that shipped in weighed 18 pounds because it had a ton of oh, expansion my content with it. So, yeah. Which was pretty cool. Um, I wasn't getting a good read on this game before we got it. I knew it was a one versus many style game. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to play. I thought it was going to be more of a dungeon crawl game. And actually, I would equate it more to like a skirmish, mm-hmm. like an objective-driven skirmish-style game. He let me be the bad guy finally for a change. I did, and you had a lot of fun, didn't you? I did. So the um, the gameplay in this one is one player is going to be controlling um, the is the sins player, and he and that person is going to be controlling, uh, representing one of the seven different sins. Two of them come in the box in the main core box, and then the, the other five are available through expansions. I, I played with sloth, mm-hmm. and each of the sins um, not only does it have unique miniatures for each sin, uh, but there's also a special, like a um, disability that it hits the heroes with mm-hmm. during the game that's that's thematically tied to that sin. So for, um, for Sloth, it was if any of my players initiated an attack during a game round, um, they would only be able to, they would move slower um, for the rest yeah. of that round, essentially. And then uh, anywhere from one to four players is going to take control of a number of heroes. And you actually build like a strike team of seven heroes before the round starts, but you only have in um, three or four at a given time. Um, and then you have a story, Matt. Now, there's three different types of stories that are in the game. There's terror stories, which are about killing monsters. Um, there's corruption stories, which is about ridding the city of corruption. And then there are redemption stories, which are, I think you're trying to like save victims and stuff like that. But they all work um, thematically different. And then each of those stories has a number of, of missions that the hero players have to complete. In order to win the game, um, the Sims players trying to stop the heroes from doing this, trying to kill all the heroes, because if they ever kill enough heroes that when the heroes lose someone, they don't have someone on the bench to sub in, um, they win the game. And what's kind of unique about this and what I actually one of the cool things that I really like about the others is that the Sims player doesn't actually have set turns. Instead, what happens... See, and I think that's what kind of sold me on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so each each hero um, gets two activations per round um, is the way it works, and they and they take their turns in, in a player order. 
Um, but then the Sins player has a number of reaction tokens. So mm-hmm. after one of the players, one of the heroes is done taking their turn, the Sin player can then react and if they choose, if they choose to, um, where they can then move one of the monsters around and attack the hero whose turn just ended. The Sins player will also have um, cards that are related to the Sins as well that they can play one per hero turn. Think of these like the like the Overlord cards that you'd find in Descent. Um, which give them special abilities that they can bust out at you know opportune times for them, um, and I think like that mechanic there, the the bad guy player getting to be a little bit more unpredictable. Well, and I had the fun deck of cards too. I had my what was it the apocalypse deck, mm-hmm. and then I had like my sin deck, which I hit you with a couple of those that were pretty nasty. Well, but see, I think like we've you know we actually I think we just talked last week on the show about how. One versus many, like dungeon crawl style games like Descent, like Imperial Assault, um, haven't worked well with us because I think they're better with two. And I think that the reason why they don't work well with two players as well is because the the person who's the bad guy is has to take like a DM role in the game of sorts, where they not only have are they trying to win, but they also have to make sure that everyone else is having fun, so they don't want to go too heavy. Um, cause it's no fun if you're getting, you know, beat on constantly. Well, and like you said, uh, Descent came out with like an app for, right. For your, running that, for that's been super popular, you know, help things out, but it probably would have been better for us had we had that. Right. But I think where, where the others is really successful is that because the, because this isn't a campaign game and because the, it's equally hard for the Sims player to win as it is for the heroes to win, you're encouraged to go full bore and it you can be more unpredictable and you can, you know, take advantage of your opportunities when they present themselves. I think this is why claustrophobia also works really well as a dungeon game. crawl oh game God, for two. I love that game. Um because this of the same kind of deal. Um the others, what else does the others have that's pretty cool? It's got um it's got uh upgrades that the heroes can pick up as well. Um the other really neat mechanic is that the heroes all have a corruption level um, that they use during the game, and sometimes they might get. More, <laughs> I use that to my advantage, right? And they'll they'll get more corrupt through different game effects. Um, or you can just use it yourself to get right before a fight. Extra, you can stuff. you can voluntarily increase your corruption, and the corruption track runs parallel to this bonus track, so that when you voluntarily make yourself more corrupt, you get access to all these power-up abilities like you might get to roll extra dice in the fight or you might get to you know get some guaranteed hit results for the fight and that sort of thing um so it's a it's a it's a nice strategic balance over you know do i want to use this corruption thing now to get a big boost in this fight but then you know the enemy might use that to their advantage later on so you really do have to balance things out a little bit um there the this one, I think, will find regular rotation for us mm-hmm. because there's a lot of variety in the different setups because you pick, you know, you pick a different sin each time. You can play a new story each time. And everything works and jives together a little different. Right. So the, so the strategies have to be tweaked a little bit. Plus, the heroes, if you have some of the expansion boxes, can assemble their strike team. Um, with different abilities and things like that. So this one, this one was a, I don't want to say it was a surprise because I was hoping it would be good, but I, I wasn't expecting, I don't, I wasn't sure what I was expecting the game to be. Um, and it's definitely a game that I think is, it's going to work really well for, for our purposes. Um, playing with two players. What else, what else did you really like about this? Cause you were quite <laughs> taken 
Well, like you said, one. I like the fact that I didn't have to have like a set turn. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have to have you have a turn, me have a turn, you have a turn, me have a turn. You know, I think that might have made it a little easier for me to also play the other side mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm just kind of picking and choosing when it was opportune for me to actually do something. Yeah. And I tell you what, as much as I was dying and you were killing my people off, you know, I because I did like I was getting real frustrated at first because you were just killing my people left and right. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? And mm. well, you get to keep bringing your yeah, people back. That's that's the, I didn't realize that's that's that at first key. that yeah. I get to keep bringing my my guys back every turn. But whew, craziness. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely one of the better cool mini ones that we've I received. I like the apocalypse deck. That was kind of cool, like throwing an extra wrench in the works. Oh yeah, so it, it's based, so the apocalypse track is another little wrinkle that essentially makes the game harder for the heroes as time goes along because mm-hmm. it's going to give the the sins player um some inherent bonuses cuz usually this apocalypse track will raise each turn and then through by it raising they get to add damaging effects like you know their like my one card gave all of my acolytes a corruption um, one gave all of my abominations a, a an hit. extra hit per yeah. roll, and yeah. and they also they also have the ability to summon these uh, super powerful monsters yeah, from yeah man from I had, the Hell Club. I had, I had Grin the Bruiser, the Grin the Crusher, whatever he was. Yeah, he was he looked like. He he reminded me of of like the big of the um. He reminded me of Bane from the Bad Batman's. Okay, he he <laughs> see he reminded me of um of Brick from Borderlands. So well, I have you don't got, have any frame of reference yeah, because, for that one. So. You know, you keep telling me we're going to play Borderlands and we haven't done it yet. Well, if we keep playing the others, we're not going to invite have a chance. But yeah, this this one I think will be <laughs> finding regular rotation, and this is one of those ones where um. Like when you do these cool mini Kickstarters, they give you so much stuff, and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to find time to use all the, all the stuff that it comes with. I can see the stuff that it comes with finding its way into regular rotation pretty frequently because it's well, new sins, and, and especially like the little. I didn't we buy the corruption tokens separate? Well, we we bought those separate right. to get extra of those for using like Elder Charge, right, and stuff right, right, because like they're so. like the little tentacle markers that yeah. we can use in other games. So, yeah. so yeah, the the others. Um, if you are looking for like a fun skirmish style game, um, that works well at a variety of player counts, I think this would be a definitely solid pickup uh, to check out. I agree. Hmm. Um, second on the list. <laughs> This one, Brad has waffled, and then haven't you waffled on this for a no, while? No, I, I never, I never planned on. So, so we're talking Mansions of Madness Second Edition. I, I had been aware of the first edition of Mansions of Madness. I never had any inclination to pick it up though, because I knew that it wouldn't be a game that would work well for us together. Um, but we got this one because it comes with an app, right? So they've completely redesigned Mansions of Madness. Um, that it now actually requires the use of a companion app, a la. XCOM, um, and the app is very similar to that of the Descent app that that has made the game essentially a cooperative game, where the the app is used to run the game. Um, it builds the the map of the house as you're playing, mm-hmm. um, and handles all the monsters for you. It handles all the. It's very cool. Right, it handles all most of the card play for you. The coolest thing I thought is because when with the app comes like. A soundtrack, so that mm-hmm. up the creep factor for it for me. Yeah. So and and the production design is pretty nice. Um, they come with a lot of 
miniatures um, for the different monsters that are in the game. Now, I, I like and hate these new bases that they come with because they come with these bases that have a slot to hold like a monster tile, basically, that has all their stats on it. But the bases They're are so humongous. They're so big and clunky. They're so huge. Um, that I almost would have rather just like I get why they did it because it's a it's it's a good utility to have the stats right near the monster. I almost would have rather just have a regular miniature and then just off to the side of the board had you know the, the like tiles a representing or them. Yeah, I, I think would have been a little bit easier. Or just have like a little reference sheet. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, thing. The tiles are nice. I also like how they handle damage in this game. Um, it kind of reminds me of the way that damage is doled out in like the. Alien or Predator deck building games where you have these damage cards um, And I don't know if the first edition handled it this way or not But you get these damage cards when you get hurt or they might be like horror cards like sanity affecting cards um, Where sometimes they'll get dealt to you face down and that's fine because then they just count as like a hit of damage But sometimes they get dealt to you face up which can have more wide-reaching Effects which could hurt you Mm -hmm. in different ways as well. Um, Of course this being a game in the Call of Cthulhu series There's going to be stuff that affects not only your well-being, but your mental well-being as well Um, So you have to I don't know if any of you out there follow us, you know when we post our pictures But the one I was in the room and I think I had about five monsters in there with me and it was Mm -hmm. about to go down Yep now, what's cool about this one, too, is that it comes with, um, there's four scenarios on the app. They're going to be adding more scenarios as time goes along with expansions and stuff like that. Well, and they need time for development. Stuff of course, too. of course. Um, but what's neat about this one is we ha- we've only played this once, but I've heard from people that have played it multiple times that even when you play the same scenario, even though the, like, the objective is going to kind of be the same, the map and the way that, you know, the items of interest are laid out is going to be different in every game that you play, um, which is neat. So it'll keep it feeling fresh and it'll feel like you're not doing the same, the same level over and over again. Plus, obviously, it'll be a bit different when you're using different hero characters and stuff like that, too. So I got to say, I was really pleased um, with Man- Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. I think that this will be a solid um, upgrade for us. I'm still laughing that, you know, because it's us... Something always gets played wrong the first time. Well, there's a lot of rules in this one. But it just made me that, laugh because it made it that much harder on us. But we still won anyway. Yeah, the first um, the first game definitely took us a while longer than I think it will in subsequent plays. Because I kept constantly checking the the rules reference to make to, you know check on things. Okay. It's one of those ones that just you get used to the amount of rules the more you play. Um, I hope this one finds the table more frequently though, because well, this pretty is going to be an after buddy o bedtime kind of game. Sure, well, especially the longer scenarios for yeah. sure. But yeah, Mansion of Madness Second Edition. Um, if you're looking for a solid cooperative uh, game of this ilk with a lot of die rolling, then I would definitely recommend checking it out. Price tag's a little steep. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hundred dollar box, but it seems to have a lot of content in it, and it seems that it will have a lot of content. Going forward as well. Yeah, going forward. It's, and if, if the way that Descent's been supported so far since they brought out the, the app for that one, that, that this one should be equally good, I think. Mm, next on the list is another Kickstarter game, New mm-hmm. Bedford. Yes, this You're is. You're hunting whales. Yeah, you are, you are whaling in New Bedford. Um, he it's says, actually. He, he comes to me and he says, come on, honey. He goes, we gotta go hunt some whales. I said, I don't wanna kill the whales. He says, too bad, you gotta kill the whales. <laughs> 
I don't kill whales. Well, it's a, it's a, it's the game is steeped in history, and yeah, I get that. Yeah. I don't like to kill whales. Okay, that's just me. Well, that's fair. Um, this is a worker placement game, and it kind of is like a very, 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 very is, light version. And I will tell you what, this Lahav. game went a lot, lot quicker than I thought it was going to. Oh yeah, we played a two player game in half hour. Yeah, because I think what was it, twelve rounds. Yes. Yeah, it's 12 rounds, and as we're going along, I'm like, oh, this is going to take a while. And no, we just no, flew the first, through No, the it. first four or five rounds, you kind of blaze through. Oh, yeah, well, because you can't really do much until you build up your... Right, so you get some resources yeah. built up. This is a... It's a worker placement game where you are trying to to basically build up resources um, to... Build up a ship. To build a ship and send it out to sea. Um, you're also trying to acquire buildings and build them in town because not only do you want to use them and they're worth victory points at the end of the game but you would like your opponents to use them as well because they have to pay you Mm -hmm. in order to use any of their buildings uh the main crux of the game is you are sending your ships out to to catch whales um in order to sell them and use them for resources and goods and stuff like that um you send your ship out to sea there's varying levels um of of how deep out to the water you go and then each round your ship comes a little closer to shore and there's like a drafting phase where you draw um, a number of tiles out of the bag that equal the number of ships that are currently at sea and starting with the person who's furthest away uh, they get to draft one of the tiles there's three different types of whales uh, that you might draw and then um, there's also just open sea tiles that are generally bad that you want to try and avoid but as the game goes along um, more and more, the, the number of whales that are in the bag is fixed at the beginning of the game. And the number of open, and the sea tiles keep getting returned to the bag as you go along. Unless so, you get the. Well, unless you have the tavern and then you can right, sell those off. You can but sell them. generally, the way it's going to work, though, is as you get deeper and deeper into the game, there's going to be fewer and fewer whales um, that are out in the sea, which is pr- on purpose. It was, it was purposeful in the design to mirror how the whaling industry. Dried up back then. Took them to the brink of extinction. Yeah, because they they overdid it a little much. Jerks. Um, So you're carrying these whales on your boat. Um, Once you get back to port, you have to pay for every whale that you bring back, and you're going to want to do that as much as possible because it's going to get you victory points for each whale that you uh, that you're able to successfully return. But if you can't get a whale, um, if you can't afford it, you can sell it for half price. Um, to get some money, but then your opponents have the opportunity to buy it right out from under you. So you have to really be careful about the amount of whales you're catching. Yeah, I didn't let you get your hands on that sperm whale, did I? No, you did not, because they are the they're the big mamma jammas that are worth the most points. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different strategies to try because there's different buildings that are going to be available every game um, that you can check out and how those buildings work together with you know so there's a lot of diverse paths to go down um which is very cool and like i mentioned at the beginning when we first started talking about new bedford i was shocked with how fast the game ran it was man it was like over in a flash and and to that point like i even played a solo game as well of this Mm -hmm. and it was just as fast (laughs) like it just kind of blazed through because it was going so fast the first couple turns i thought we were doing something wrong no 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 (laughs) i thought jesus am i ever going to get anything done in this game (laughs) because i mean for the first couple rounds i i mean i wasn't doing much of anything really i mean it, it is a game where your resources are going to be quite scarce and quite tight like it's it's it does mirror 
Lahav in that respect that during the crux of the game, you have, you're really just trying to make the most of what you can. And it's only the later turns that you're like, oh, I have an abundance of things that I don't need anymore. So can we take a quick aside and talk about the other one that came with this one? Oh, Nantucket? Sure. Yes, we can mention that for it's two basically, seconds. It's basically New Bedford Light, but I have to laugh because we were sitting here and he's not really, I mean, he's reading the rules, but he wasn't really paying attention. But they have these little coins, and one has a head on it, and one has a whale tail. He's like, and it says, you know, you have to use the coins, heads or tails. He's like, but they have a head on one and tail on the <laughs> other one. I don't think they thought this arrested. I'm pretty sure the picture is going to be the head, and then the other side is the tails. I was right. You were right, but that's a poor, poor graphic design <laughs> choice. I'm sorry. Just, to have a picture of a tail on the head side of a but coin. Yes, if just New saying. Bedford was not, you know, quick enough for you. Uh, Nantucket is that much quicker. Same kind of thing. New, New Bedford's still going to be the game that you want, though. Oh, this, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this was a really solid worker placement game. Um, there was there was a little bit of controversy um, about the theming of the game because I can understand how maybe you might be uncomfortable with that theme, but it does treat it respectfully. It's not like you're going out and. What you are you know, talking about with me? Controversy? No, no. There, there oh. was there were people that were there were people that were like, oh, I'm not backing this because blah guess. blah blah. PETA? <laughs> no, I mean, just people that don't like, you know, cruelty to animals, I guess. Well, I don't either, but you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> well, fair enough. So, so. And if, I'm not killing real animals. That, well, that. And, and bu- as you said, it is a part of history. It's not something, it's not like right. this didn't happen for real. Right. And it's also not like you have to sit there on your boat and launch a harpoon at a I'm whale not and, sitting you know, here do all that at stuff. my kitchen table stabbing an actual animal. No. Right. So, so there's that. And like I said, they treat, they treat the theme with, with the due reference that it's, that it's, um, that it's, Appropriate. I can't think of the right word to use. Anyway, if you're if you're a fan of worker placement games, um, if you like Lahav and you want to boil that down to an experience that can be played in about a yeah, because even if time, you, even if you do the the two player Lahav, that still takes a while. Yes. Um, so, but yes, this would this would definitely be a good alternative to that. Yeah, we we enjoy New Bedford a lot, um, and we'll look forward to adding in some of the new buildings that came with the uh, with the expansion for that one. I like as the well next as good time. On the oh, list. you want to talk about the networks? <gasps> oh my god! So the networks, super fun little game. You actually control a TV station, mm-hmm. and you're trying to set your lineup and get your stars in your shows and get your sponsors. And oh my god, I just I had so much fun. Brad cool. Brad had a field day because one of the stations was the station from was it Running Man? From Running Man, yeah. Yes, it was hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this is a cool little um, <laughs> cool little drafting game of sorts. So, yeah. like I'm said, you run you start by running a public access channel, and, and you're trying to, to develop it, it, yeah, into a major network. So each round, there's going to be a number of shows. I can't wait to play this with Brandon. I think he'll yeah. love it. So there's, there's going to be a number of shows. Um, there's going to be a number of actors. There's going to be a number of advertisements, and then there's some like special action cards that are all available to draft. And as you go around the table taking turns, um, you're 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 going to be essentially drafting these different types of cards with the end goal of signing a new show and possibly attaching a star to that show, possibly attaching advertisements to that show, and then and putting it in your in your broadcast lineup. My God, was it Pete? Pete's Plutonium Palace or something or oh, I, I, well I like, like the shows <laughs> like like the the, the 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 presentation of the game is very very referential very tongue in cheek yes 
with uh, with how they do it, which is which is very cool because, like I said, it, the the references to what was the show? Oh my god, what was the one that made me laugh so hard? I think it was something with like Criminal Minds or mm-hmm. one of those kind of shows. Maybe right. Laugh. The re- the references, if you watch TV, are really obvious and really funny. So mm-hmm. they're they're very cute. Um, where it's cool is that each show and each star. They have like an arc. So like the first season you put a show on um, is going to get a certain number of viewers. And then the second season that show is on usually gets possibly more you, viewers, you possibly a, less. It's going to depend mo- on... Most of the ones that I was picking, I got a spike in viewers if I got to the second right. season. Right. So, so, and a show can run for a maximum of four seasons. But usually you see a point where the audience for that show raises and then usually drops off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're trying to you're trying to get as many viewers as you can. But eventually you're going to want to replace these shows in your lineup. So as the game goes along, you're going to take a show and send it to like syndication, basically, which gets you a quick... Now, also note... That the show cards themselves have like an ideal time slot because you have 8, 9, and 10 p.m. on your card. Mm -hmm. And they have an ideal time slot. So you actually get a bonus if you get it into that specific time slot as well. Right. And you're also trying to get... a certain sets of like genres, basically. Yes, you're trying to yes. keep. You're trying to have similar genres because there's bonuses that come mm-hmm. with that as well. So, and this, this it takes place over a number of rounds, and whoever has the most viewers when everything's said and done um, is going to win the game. So, like I said, this I, I really love the theme of this one. Um, the gameplay. Our is, son is in love with this one. Brad let him. Yeah, he keeps checking the he box let, out. He let him poke out all the all the pieces, and now all the time he's trying to grab it off the shelf and just stare at the box. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, the theme of this one was what caught my eye, um, and I really enjoyed it. The gameplay is pretty good, too. Um, there's enough cards that there'll be a decent amount of variety from game to game, for sure. Um, this one also has a two-player variant where every third turn, basically, um, you're going to randomly eliminate some of the cards that are out in the road. Just, yeah, just to, to, to make sure that you you can't just rely on you know the same stuff being out there from turn to turn which is a which is a solid two-player variant um but yeah networks um is something we've had a lot of fun with this is going to be a, a mostly positive impression section if you hadn't figured it out because we've been enjoying quite a few of these um but aside from the theme just focusing on the gameplay for the networks what did you like about about this one I loved all of it. My biggest thing was the references, like, because, like, you could obviously tell which shows they were referencing, but the way they went about it was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it. All that, you know, the the thing I didn't get into much was, like, the, um, the extra cards. Like, I know there was lots for, like, endgame scoring, and some of them are, like, insta, mm-hmm. insta score or whatever cards. I didn't really get into that too, too much, but. Uh, yeah, I really had a lot of fun with this one. Very cool. Yeah, check that one out. The Networks um, from Formal Ferret Games uh, was a lot of fun and uh, and one that we'll be coming back to, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been get, trying to get M for a while to play. Uh, we got Lord of the Rings The Confrontation. We're just going to call this Lord of the Rings Stratego. It basically is. This is this is a classic game. It's been around for a long time. I'm it's a really terrible at Stratego. He loves Stratego, and I played it with him once even with a cheat sheet i still can't do diddly or squat (laughs) well this this one's a little bit different this is uh of course middle earth themed um fellowship of the ring themed one player is controlling the fellowship one player is controlling sauron's forces um you have nine i did better the second time than i did the first you have nine characters on each side um that all have special abilities that are all unique 
and you can deploy them um, in a variety of ways. But much like in Stratego, the your the your opponent's not able to see which characters you have where. You just know they, so they have a character there. Um, you also have a battle deck of cards, um, similar to how it is in like Game of Thrones board game, where you have these special ability cards that you can play, and then once you play them, they go into a discard pile really? that you can't pick up until until you've used all of your cards. Um, but the goal of the game is the Fellowship is trying to get Frodo into Mordor with the ring. Um, if they can do that, they win the game. Uh, the Sauron forces are either trying to eliminate Frodo or to get enough people into the Shire, um, which will cause them to win the game as well. So as you go, each turn you're going to move one of your pieces forward on the map. And if you encounter one of your opponent's pieces, then you have a clash where each... Each of the uh, different characters has a different strength value. Um, you supplement that with a hidden battle card out of your hand, flip the card over, and whoever has the higher strength um, eliminates that other character's piece. So you're trying to strategically move your stuff around, um, fight when it's opportune. Um, a lot of the Hobbit or the, a lot of the um, fellowship abilities have a lot of defensive properties as well. I which like is the ones. Good. I like the ones where it's just like kill this dude mm-hmm. straight out. So and and it's a cool little asynchronous game where you're trying it's it's actually recommended that you play two games whenever you play this each player each player plays each side once and then whoever has the fewest um pieces eliminated if you split the wins um ends up winning the game because the basic game is slanted a little bit towards the Sauron side of things. No crap. Oh yeah. But there is but what's cool is that there is an advanced game um in in the box also that has different characters with more complicated abilities. And there's also a drafting game where you can pick and choose which characters you use oh, Lord. as you go as well. Now so, you're just getting too much. This is, this is a solid little game, though. This one is one that's been highly regarded for quite some time. Now, we played this twice. Mm-hmm. I did much better the second time than the first. The first time was a route. Yeah, it, I mean, well, like you said, Stratego was not a game that was a strong suit of yours, but I think that you had a little bit more fun and are able to get down well, with this one a little bit more. Only because of the theme. Yeah. Because, you know, I love LOTR. I've read the books God knows how many times mm-hmm. and most of the other Tolkien books. But, uh, yeah, I think that helps. Yeah. Helps bring my interest into it a little more. Yeah, and like I said, I, I think I think this game is a really clever design. Um, it'd be interesting to see how often it gets played because it's certainly one that would reward um, familiarity with the game because mm-hmm. it, it would lead to some high level play. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a solid strategy game, um, you know, like like a hidden movement game, tactical game like this, Lord of the Rings Confrontation uh, would be one to check out for sure. Especially if you're a fan of the theme, um, that'll certainly help you get into that as well. Another game we've had for a little bit here um, is a game that I've had a my eye bit. on That's for a while. Yeah, uh, Two Day Mayo, uh, which is a little two-player asynchronous uh, kind of a war game of sorts, I guess, if you, uh, you want to classify it as that, where one player uh, is the French trying to occupy uh, the city of Madrid, and the other player is controlling the, the the citizens of Madrid trying to fend off the the French occupation of their town. This is one of those style of games where one player is much more highly resourceful than the other. 
Um, the other player, I was the less resourceful. Yeah, you, the other players of very limited means. Uh, they're just trying to hang on. But the thing is, for the French, who are the more well-supplied side to win, they have to fulfill a variety of specific victory conditions, which is they have to completely eliminate all the Spanish citizens. Um, they have to occupy certain territories on the board, and they also can't suffer a huge number of losses. And if the Spanish player is able to disrupt any of those conditions, then it is it is they who will win the game. Uh, this one is a pretty simple gameplay structure where you each get to perform a number of movements with your troops each turn in secret and then execute those movements on the board. Um, if there's a the battle system is pretty easy. Uh, essentially whoever has more cubes um, just gets to eliminate a number of cubes depending on how large their advantage is. And you're just trying to go through the 10 rounds of the game uh, with the French working to fulfilling their victory condition and the Spanish doing what they can to disrupt that from happening. Um, it plays pretty quickly in about 20 to 30 minutes, but I know that you were not a I huge fan. I had not a darn clue what I was doing until about halfway through the game. Yeah. What, I, was, I what, what was so hard to wrap your head around? Because I... It's... I think it was the movement. I was trying with the movement, mm-hmm. you know, like moving my troops together. Because I, I think, I think my mistake was I, I put you too many. Too much, I, yeah. I put too many people together, mm-hmm. and then that kind of that kind of screwed me. Right, because it was easy for me to kind of surround was, you, you were and just then like, just pick I was you like off. easy yeah. pickings, you know. As you go, for I was sure. like the wounded seal, you know, out in the ocean. Yeah, and this is one of those one, especially <laughs> if you're the Spanish player. If you if you allow yourself to get cornered um there could be a huge snowball effect. well and that's the thing like i thought i was being smart by trying to put some people together but then when i was trying to move them around i'm like oh crap i have to move them into here and then they all join up together and i can't and you can't break them apart with the spanish player yeah right. they can't do that that's the thing and uh, yeah yeah that definitely makes it trickier it's i mean i i appreciated the the asynchronous gameplay for this one, um, like the differing objectives you're trying to do, okay. um, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to have a long, a long life with us. No, I was not. Um, <sighs> it's it's a really highly regarded I, game, I but it's know. just like I, just, it just, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I can't think of what I'm really trying to say right now. I just wasn't feeling this one. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy this one, but I wasn't over the moon with it. If I'm going to do something like this, I'd rather play King is Dead. Yeah, which we haven't played. Does that make Does that make more sense? Yeah, does that make sense? Like those two together? No, it it, it very much does because it's the same kind of you know you're trying to jockey for. I'd I'd rather play King is Dead. I think King is Dead's a little more intuitive. Yeah, for me anyway. Yeah, and and like I said, two to my was fine. Um, I'm again, it's not a game that I'm gonna play a lot more probably because it just taking up. Precious shelf space that we need because we run out again. <laughs> well, and it's it's one of those games that again, it's it. The more you play it, the better it is because your familiarity with the different cards. You also have these event card, these action cards that you can play as well. Um, but there's only ten of them for each side, so it's it's easy to become very familiar. But that's the problem is that there's also some cards in there that rely on another card, and if you can't draw that other card during the game, then right. you know it's useless. Yeah. So yeah, two to Mayo, um, kind of a lukewarm. Rating, well, rating for me, Emily is giving it a thumbs down, I'm pretty sure. If I was Caesar, it'd be dying. Okay, fair enough. Well, there you go. Uh, lastly, but not least for us, um, is a game that's a little bit older. 
Another game in the Cosmos line. Surprise! Um, this I is... picked this up at Barnes and Noble on their clearance sale. It was like twelve bucks. Well, and and I had seen it a bunch before, but never well, pulled the trigger. But this was the one I remember. You gave me a list of games to go to Barnes and Noble on my lunch break and look for, and. I found none of those games, but I found this one. I was like, I called you and said, hey, I found a two-player Cosmos game. And you're like, well, what is it? And I told you, and you're like, ah, well, how much is this? 12 bucks. Okay, pick it up. Can't hurt. Uh, this, this is Kahuna. Um, the, I liked it. Yeah, it's, it's an area control game um, for two players where you're trying to control different islands in and this different region. different pathways between said well, islands. Well, that's, that's how you control the islands is by establishing bridges from one island to another, and when you control the majority of bridges on an island, um, then you control that island. And there's, I think it's um, it's 24 cards in the deck of cards. Each turn, you're going to you're going to draw one to your hand, um, and every time you cycle the deck, you initiate a scoring phase in the game, and that's going to happen three times, and then after you've scored three times, the game ends. Um, where this one is interesting is when you establish control of an island, um, and you do that by playing these island cards. Um, they, there's cards that match the 12 different islands in the game, and when you play a card, you get to play out a br- you get to lay a bridge from the island that matches the card that you played um, to, to any other, island that it connects right. to. And once you have the majority of the bridges under your control on an island, you take control of that island, but where, where it becomes interesting is you also, when you do that, all of your opponent's bridges on that island that you Blow take control up. of go away, which then might cause them to lose right. other islands that they've controlled. Right, and that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to cause that chain reaction effect because when I you did sc- that to you, you did because when you score um, in the first scoring round, whoever has the majority of islands controlled gets one victory point. And then in the second scoring round, um, whoever has the majority of islands controlled gets two victory points. In the third scoring round, the person who has the most islands controlled scores the difference between how many they control and how many their opponent controls in victory points and then whoever has the most points total when the game at that point is the winner of the game but yeah it's that tactical trying to and trying to get your opponent off try to wrestle control of islands from them you, as you can can't you turn in two cards of the same island to remove a bridge. Yeah, it, well, it? if you can if you turn in either two of the same card or one of each card that the bridge lays across, you That's can what it was. you can I remove you can remove an opponent's island, uh, bridge as well, which again you can use to help wrestle control. Mm-hmm. But it's tough because in the deck there's only two cards for each island that's on the board. So it's mm-hmm. it's not as easy to to do that as you'd think it would be. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect from Kahuna. Because uh, I always kind of see it, but it does, It never jumped out to me the same way that like a Targi would or... Um, Rose King. Like a Rose King would or sort of. But this is actually a pretty clever it. little yeah area control game that uh specifically designed for two players. Um, it is a game that can... Like, if your opponent's really crushing you, and, like, if, if they're really, if they have the advantage turned up on you, it can be a very difficult game to claw yourself back into, for sure. And there's even a mercy rule that if, if, your, opponent, if your opponent doesn't have any bridges on the board at all, they, the game's just over and you win automatically. So, I mean, it's it's one of those style of games, so if you're not, if you don't like the fact that it doesn't really have, like, a catch-up mechanic... Um, you might want to steer clear of this one, but yeah, like if you if you like area control, um, this is definitely a cool little 
cool little game. And to if check you like out. to get in each other's face. Oh yeah, this, this one's is, all super aggressive. This is yeah, very, for sure. Very aggressive. Very much up our alley. I think that's why we liked it so much. Yeah, because it's de- it's you're definitely punching each other in the face. Loved it as you go through. So yeah, so Kahuna, um, it's a worthy addition. I mean, I, we're gonna keep it. It's not it was, gonna go anywhere. It was definitely a very much back and forth game until that last round. Yes, yes, I would agree. So it's it's a pretty fun game. Um, definitely check it out if you have the opportunity. So that was a lot of impressions that we gave you. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, um, we will talk about. Games that are pretty good when all they carry is a deck of cards, so stay tuned. All right, so this week uh, we're talking about games that uh, whose components primarily consist of a deck of cards and only a deck of cards that work pretty well with two players. Now, we're not talking about micro games here, though. There is one micro game on our list. Um, these are full-fledged games that just have very small f- small packages, basically, small footprints um, that make a lot out of a little bit of components, essentially. So, uh, And, and we're, like I said, we're primarily focusing on two-player experiences here, as we tend to do on this show. It is tabletop for two, dear. I don't Certainly. think they'd be listening to it for tabletop for three or four. Well, I'm just saying if, if there's any games you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they didn't mention Game X. It's like like No Thanks is one that I would that I would think of for this, but obviously you need at least three people to play that. Plus there's a whole bunch of chips with that one. That doesn't need to um, Well, so. <laughs> I see one on this list that has chips with it. Uh, we'll get... Do you? Haggis? Oh, that doesn't count. We'll get there when we... Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Haggis now, since you okay. brought it up. Um, this one is a game we've talked about before on the show. It is a trick-taking uh, climbing game um, that you can play with two or three people. Um, yes, there are a cu- two or one chip <laughs> per person that you can use to make bets with. But other than that, it's just cards. You knew I had to bust you on it. I couldn't help myself. Well, for my money, this is the best... Um, the best trick-taking game that you can play with two that's out there. That's like as far as two-player experience. Um, Because other trick-taking games work much better with more people. Of course. Haggis is fantastic with two players. Well, because most trick-taking games, you need a partner. Right. Yeah, This. well, this one, you know, eliminates that by having the climbing aspect where you're just trying to, you know, beat what your opponent put down. Yeah, Haggis, very, very cool. Um... Love that one a lot, and played it on the plane to Florida. <laughs> certainly, we need to play it again. I don't think we've played it since Florida. We need to really need to get on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that a list that involves card games on this show can't go by without mentioning Mystery Rummy, um, <laughs> one of our favorite card game series. One that's of our out favorite there. card game series that we just stumble bumbled upon, mm-hmm. and then have become enamored. Right. Um, I'm specifically going with the Jack the Ripper version here, because that's my favorite version of Mystery Rummy. Um, Wyatt Earp's probably my favorite Mystery Rummy game, even though it's not part of the Mystery Rummy series, technically, but that one has a lot more stuff with it besides just the the deck of cards. Right. It has little placards and stuff like that. I think if you're looking for just the card game aspect, then Jack the Ripper is is where now, it's at. in fairness, mm-hmm. we did print out the little wheels, and I assembled said wheels for... Uh, Picking you who right. you thought the ripper like, was. I, I, I'm not saying exclusively deck of card components. <laughs> I'm saying primarily deck of card components here. 
So I, I think I think Jack the Ripper gets a great uh, a great game out of out of that simple deck of cards oh, that yeah. it comes with for sure. I think that's the best one with two because, like you said, I liked the Al Capone one, but I think that would benefit from more people. Mm. You know, especially when you're trying to collect the sets, right? A um, couple of the Z-Man small box games uh, found their way onto the list here. Um, Parade, which is a all-time favorite of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, the the which line I drafting. Only, I only wanted because I saw the box and I saw the Cheshire Cat and I was like, "Ooh, Alice in Wonderland! I need this in my life." Mm-hmm. No, but this is a great uh, like set collection game with a twist because you're trying to collect the fewest cards that you can. But if you're going to collect the most cards of a specific color, or if you're going to collect cards of a different color, you want to collect the most so that you can flip them over to help reduce their point values because mm-hmm. you're trying to score low. Um, and then Archaeology, the new expedition, which is a newer game for us this year that we can't stop raving about because it's very, very fun. Um, again, another set collection game in that ilk with some cool twists as far as like, you know, card drafting and, and exchanging and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, that gives you a very different experience every time you play. Um, so those are both great games that, again, just just simple deck mm-hmm. of cards. Which when we were making this list, he's like, what games, what games? And he's going through and he said this one and this one. I was like, um, what about archaeology? Oh, my God. How did I forget mm-hmm. about that? <laughs> now, I'll tell you another one. Um, this game is probably the biggest, like, the, the deepest gameplay game um, that's going to be on this list. Actually, there's two that are really deep, I think, gameplay-wise that are on this list. The first one is uh, Valley of the Kings. Um, this is a deck-building game from AEG uh, that now has a base game and two standalone expansions that you can... Uh, that you can check out for we it. We have one of them. I don't we have know one of them. Yeah. The other one. Uh, no, I don't think so. But even even just having one of these is really cool because this is a really solid um, conveyor belt style deck building game mm-hmm. with some set collection as well. Right. Um, the thing that I like the most about it is that the the cards that you use to score um, are card the same cards that go in your deck, but you have to kind of transfer them out of your deck in order to score points. You have points to kind of pick and choose how long you want to use them before you entomb them. Right, so it, it, it creates an interesting decision of, oh, yeah. hey, I got this really powerful card and it does great work for me, but eventually I got to get it out of my deck so mm-hmm. that I can actually score it when the game ends. So a lot of lot of depth and gameplay there um, for Valley of the Kings. The second one um, that is on our list that has a lot of depth of gameplay is Matainai, which is a game that we haven't given enough plays to, um, which I feel sad about because it's a really solid game. We played a lot of it when we were playtesting. Play yeah, we haven't played our, our actual copy all that often since we've gotten it. Um, this I blame is you. The, the Glory to Rome successor from Carl Chudik, um, which has the same style of gameplay where you have the multi-use cards that you're trying to use for different things um, and a lot of strategy to dive into there. So this game's very polarizing. There's a lot of people that really don't care for Matainai, but I think that uh, I think it's a really I smart design. I didn't like it at first. You did eventually, though. It took a couple of plays, but I really didn't like it at first. You're just lucky I love you. Yeah, well, I'm glad you stuck with it because we got a pretty solid game out of that one there. Mm-hmm. Um, I said there weren't a lot of micro games on the list here. There are two sort of micro game ish games um, <laughs> to mention. The first one is Eminent Domain Microcosm, which does a great job of taking the Eminent Domain experience and kind of boiling it down into its essentials. Right, and in, into a 10 minute um, drafting game. 
of mm-hmm. sorts, which is very fun. Um, so that's that's a great one to check out. And like I said, someone if if you have ten bucks, go get it. It's 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 a good uh, good solid strategic game. And then Pie Factory, um, the one of the rabbit games from Dice Hate Me. Probably the one we played the most, honestly. That's why it's on the list. So I said I love Out of it. All the other ones. You're just you're making pies. You have crust cards. You have filling cards. You have topping cards, and then you have to box them. Well, I love it because of you the know? I like the pressure luck elements that are in oh, the yeah, game. Yeah. Like this one, where it, there's a lot of timing aspects that you have to like. You want to build up the pie to get the the best filling and the best topping you can to make it worth the most money. Um, but if you wait too long, and if you keep doing stuff on your turn, your You're opponents are going to get the draft before you and possibly get the cards that you need mm-hmm. in order to make that work. Um, the last one that I wanted to mention, uh, as an honorable mention, because it just popped into my head today, I really, really like Monopoly Deal. I enjoyed this game. We played the crap out of this game. Mm-hmm. To the point where I think our cards are worn out because we played it so much. A little bit. I, I just think this is a really clever um, take on Monopoly. Yeah, where it's like it, it's it turns Monopoly into like a set collection game yeah. of sorts, where you're trying to you know use your cards for multiple things. You're well, trying to get three property monopolies laid out before your opponent. Well, does. it's just like um, what was the one we got the one the dice. The Monopoly with mm-hmm. dice. Right. I mean, same kind of thing. I mean, I honestly enjoy the the small Monopoly games as opposed to regular Monopoly anymore. Well, I mean, and I, it's just because I think they have a little bit more clever designs with oh, yeah. them than, than the regular ones. Yeah, Monopoly deal. I'd be remiss if I didn't put it on this list. <laughs> um, because... I totally forgot about that until like he said this because we have a bo- we have a like a toolbox that we bought for cards because the slots worked well for card games mm-hmm. and it's completely full of card games that we just have not played in god knows how long because of everything else we have right so but this this one was one that I always I always enjoyed busting out and it works well with two players like you wouldn't I actually prefer it with two players than I do with more oh, yeah. um, from Monopoly deal because with more players the game takes too dang long because you're sitting there Punching each other in the face constantly. It's mm-hmm. fine when you're only doing it with one other person, um, but uh, but yeah, the other ones are not so great. So that's our list of games that uh, if you're just looking for a deck of cards, the best games to buy. Uh, if we missed anything that you feel uh, we should have mentioned, uh, let us know. Maybe we haven't played it. Maybe it's something that we need to check out later on down the road. So definitely, we do drop have us. to populate a Christmas list because I know people are going to start asking us for Christmas lists soon. Yeah, so drop us a line on Twitter or in the uh, in the guild. Uh, to to answer to let us know about that, and uh, and that's it this week. We went with a little bit of a shorter topic because we knew that the impression segment was going to take up quite a bit of time um, with the new stuff we've been playing that we really wanted to talk about a lot. So so uh, thank you for for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, just a reminder that uh, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram at Tabletop for Two on BGG Guild 2623. And also, um, we are part of the TNP Studios network of shows. I would really appreciate if you check out some of the other shows that are on the network, um, including The Nerdpocalypse, Black on Black Cinema, Dense Pixels, and Mouthful of Toast. Um, If you're also interested in checking out some of our other shows that we have that are premium content, uh, go to thenerdpocalypse.com slash premium, where you can get episodes of Look Forward, uh, the airing of grievances, uh, the men with the golden tongues, and no time to bleed—all great shows. Give it a shot. Um, like I said, if you're interested in other aspects of geek culture, um, you think you might enjoy listening to that, definitely check that out as well. So that is it for us. 
Um, again, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. And uh, that's all. We will catch you guys next time we sit down and record. Bye. Bye. Bye.